Hello. Hey, John. Hi, Dan. How are you? I haven't feel like I haven't talked to you forever. Yeah, well, uh, that's the thing about time. It's like a flat circle. It, it, did you watch that? Did you were you a fan of the um, of uh, the d- detective? Detect. What was the name of that detective? The HBO show Detective. Secret Detective. De- Secret Detective. Secret Detective. <laughs> was that the name? What was that called? I don't remember watching a HBO show called Secret Detective. <laughs> that's what the flat circle is from. Time is a flat circle. True Detective is the name of it. Yeah. I think that time is a flat circle predates true detective. No, it, I, I'm sure it does. But he yeah. qu- he famously uh, quoted that in the show. Oh, in his uh, in his like weird soliloquy. <laughs> yeah. He was like, hey, man. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. I feel like I feel like uh, time is a flat circle is some kind of Nietzsche. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Thing. some kind of eternal return notion. and you you study that right you make a study of that uh, well i have an education in it i don't know if i you know at a certain point you you get educated and then you live your education and add add or subtract right but i'm not i i'm not like currently like pursuing greater knowledge of of like hegel <laughs> i got sure. I got to a i got to a point where i had <laughs> i had the basics and felt like i could apply them um it's it, it, you you learn you learn patterns early and uh and then you know you you amplify them and and then they cut you loose you get out into the world and it's like boy i and I think that's what happens. So many people, like the last thing they read before they graduate is Ayn Rand. Mm. And then they spend the rest of their life, you know, like surfing on a half understanding of, of, uh, like a not very interesting way of thinking. Uh, but that's the challenge we all face. That's, that's the trouble of, of a four year college education or nothing you know, is worse than a four year college education. Or three-year right. college education, or two and a half-year college education. Did you? Didn't you have an AMA recently? Um, or are you going to do it? Has it happened? I have an AMA coming. Well, it's hard to know when the AMA is. It may be. It may have already happened. Who knows? I've done an AMA once when I was running for office, and um, it was fascinating. I was lucky enough that I had a couple of, like I had some assistants. There was one person who was, um, who was filtering through the questions and kind of getting me the good ones. So I didn't have to sit and, you know, I was being, I was being tended Mm -hmm. so that all the, all the people that were like, is punk rock still bullshit or that kind of thing. I didn't even see, they were just, they were keeping that's, they were culling that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I like to write in complete sentences, long form, uh, spontaneously, right? I mean, it's, it's an ideal format for me because people are like, tell me about your thing. And I just write a, a paragraph, a quick paragraph at them. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the format. And I think when I was running for office, I, I actually converted a couple of local, 
there was a group of guys that call themselves urbanists that write a blog called the urbanist and they were, they didn't quite understand my position on urbanism because the formats where in the, in the, in the process of running for election, you don't get to just go sit in somebody's office and talk to them casually about your thoughts. They, there are the, all these formal events where you have 15 minutes to answer five questions. Right. And that's just not a format that works for me at all because it, what it, what that does is it, it works for the person who has canned answers prepared. Uh, and I don't. So the format that works for me is, is much more like sort of chatty or mm-hmm. AMA style. Right. And these guys were watching the AMA and they came out the other side of it and they, they were like, we need to change our endorsement because he said all of these things during that AMA that really, um, uh, are like right in, right, right. where we were hoping to hear from somebody and we just didn't get that from him during our, during the, 15 minute speed dating where we threw a bunch of like prepped questions at him and then compared his answers to people that had been saying the same thing every day for the last nine months. Right. I was like, yeah, go ahead and fuck yourselves then, (laughs) you know, like which is the problem that I underperformed at your dumb test or that your test is stupid, but that's just politics. Right. But I really, I like the format AMA. I'm hoping to do more. Uh, The problem is I don't think, if I was just doing one by myself with nobody helping me, I would get bogged down uh, just yelling at trolls because I can't help myself. Somebody's like, is punk rock still bullshit? I'd be like, your mom is bullshit. And I would be missing out <laughs> on all the time yeah. or on all the good questions. Have you done AMAs? No, I've never, uh, never been asked to do one and I've never done one. Really? It would seem that you would, that you would be, like ripe to do an AMA. I mean, what would who, I what would I talk about and to whom? Who rolls? Who watches AMAs? Who becomes part of it? I I don't know. You're asking me. I'm the one that hasn't done any. Well, are, did you go on Reddit? Yeah, I'm on Reddit. Uh, I'm on Reddit all the time. Uh, you are, what do you do there? I read the, there's, there's two, three things I look at on Reddit. The first is there's one at what could go wrong, which my son and I like to watch together, which shows people, mostly drunk people doing really idiotic things like trying to balance on a beam and they wind up falling into a pool or something. Oh, so it's like, uh, it's like those skateboard threads where people land on a railing. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or like, you know, people climbing a tree and trying to hang upside down and swing their friend into a lake, you know, that kind of, and then it all goes wrong. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I, I I read the, there's an Eagles Reddit that I look at. Uh, Okay. And, uh, and then sometimes I'll look at the, the main Reddit, uh, just the overall main Reddit page, the home of the internet, or is that dig? I forget. And what hap- what happens at the main Reddit? Is it like the the thing that is the most popular? Yeah, I think that on the main Reddit is like there's little tabs at the top, best and new and controversial and writing, and I'll I'll look at that and like that's a good way to find like that's how I found the the new Venom movie teaser that had just come out. I saw that. 
but there's a lot of garbage. But I don't know how things bubble up to the top. But that's that's the stuff that um, that I'll, I'll look at. Just to kind of that way, I can, you know, that's how I keep my uh, finger on the pulse of the planet. Wow! At, at all times, plugged in a hundred. Like main, I'm mainlining the internet when I'm on there. Wow! Wow! It's big. Wow. It's very important. Uh, people have told me to go check out Reddit. Um, Storm D. Costanza of the famous uh, rock combo Paul and Storm used to say that he used to advocate for Reddit. Mm. Um, but I have found Reddit to be very confusing, difficult for me to navigate or understand and have ended up sort of never, never really going on there uh, of my own accord. Um, but but I'm curious about the AMA. Like a lot of people I know have done AMAs and they seem to be successful and people want them. So, yeah, I'm hoping that it, I mean, it's the type of thing I kind of want to do an AMA every day because it's like, that's basically every morning I wake up and sort of say to the world, ask me anything. Yeah. And the world is like uh, indifferent. Uh, to, they don't have anything they want to ask me. So I say to my young child, ask me anything. And she goes, mm, I'm good. <laughs> it's like, fuck. All right. Well, I'll just go out and wander around the streets hoping someone asks me anything. Maybe I should have been in an ask me anything thread the entire time. Yeah. I feel like, you know, what, what do you, what kind of questions happen on these ask me anything? I feel like that something about an ask me anything there's something about that that seems to be more interesting to people who are not already sharing aspects of their life. Not that yours won't, isn't or won't, won't be interesting. But like, usually you feel like, I think people feel like they could ask you anything right now kind of anyway. You share everything. You know what I mean? Whereas like, I feel like the allure of an ask me anything is, oh, this person who I only get to listen to, I only get to see them in the movies. I never get to see them except when they're interviewed by, you know, uh, some late night person. I never get to really hear them. And even then, they're they're only being asked certain questions that have probably been prearranged. Whereas this is, this is like real. You know, we get to ask this person anything. Like, I can ask this person anything. You know, I don't know. I think that's the magic of that. Well, and I and I do feel like that's the that's the appeal. But the question is, what really is there to ask another person? Um, the danger in those situations is that people are trying to come up with something really okay, good. I, to I'll ask. give you an example. No, no, it's not false. I'll give you an example. All right. Okay. This is something that I'm very curious about in general. Anyway, um, on a previous episode, you know, you, you explained that the way that you, uh, the way that you come up with songs is you sit on the edge of your bed until the song comes and then you just write it down and you're done. That's a song. Hmm. But in reality, we, yes, but when in reality, we know that's not the case that you work very, very hard on it. But I would be curious to learn more about your, songwriting process so if i was participating in your ama i would 
ask how how is it when you talk about you say oh I was writing a song Did, are you are you like sitting on a, in a in a in a cozy chair with a guitar in your lap and a notepad next to you are you at a piano with a tape recorder going I mean you know I'm or you know whatever I'm very curious. So like, that's how I'd ask you to explain your songwriting process for me. And then, then I might also say, well, when you then go to record a song, are you, are all the band members there? Is it just you? Are you laying down uh, uh, certain tracks? Does the drummer play something first? What about your, your lyrics? What if you come up with a new verse at the last minute? Do you, do you loop that or do you have to re-record? I have lots of questions about it. So like, I, I'm not trying to come up with that. I, I think it'll be fascinating to hear about all of that. Uh, Fascinating. yeah, yeah. But, um, I have to like, those are questions that, and I, and I, and I'm not saying that those specific questions that you just asked, which are, are all interesting. Right. But, but musicians get asked the same questions everywhere they go. How do you write your songs? What was your inspiration? What's your process? Do you write the lyrics of the music first? Take us inside the, you know, writing a typical song. Like these are questions when you're like, you put a record out and you go out on tour or you do a whole, uh, like a day of media. Mm -hmm. And then you go as you're driving across the country, you're talking to reporters from the alternative press of a hundred different newspapers. And, uh, everybody asks those same questions. And there are only so many ways you can answer them as a musician because none of us know how we write our songs. I mean, that, some uh, some people sit down and you know wake up in the morning and have a cup of coffee and start at eight a.m. sitting at their little writing desk, and other people like me just you know uh, just flail at it. But you can you can only answer those questions so often, and and you get over time you start to feel like. What is the point of this, of asking and answering this? Because it's, it does like, like setting the scene of, of watching somebody write is, it, it doesn't make for a very interesting, like mental film. You know what I mean? Like, and I think, I think novelists get this too. Like, What's your process? How do you start? You know, and, and people I think want to, in a lot of cases, they want to learn the secret. And, you know, since it's all happening inside your head, um, or if you're sitting and plunking on a guitar and you're just like, uh, plunk, plunk, plunk. I mean, that's not stuff you want people to see. It's kind of like the sausage getting made. But, but, that, but is, that, that is what people want to see, I think. But that's not the thing you want to show. Sure. No, that makes sense. And also not the thing that there's any secret to. And the reason you don't want to show it is that there isn't a secret. It's like this bloodletting. Uh, that's not, I don't know. It's, I don't think anybody finds it especially pleasurable. Sometimes you get into a, a manic state and you're like, I'm the king of the world. But most of the time it's like, ah. you know, it's, it's, it's compressing. I mean, if you go to work every day and work for eight hours and then you think about your, your work life that starts when you're 20 and goes until you're 60, hopefully if you're lucky, doesn't continue to go till you're 80. But you think about that being a lifetime of work. 
you can look at musicians and writers and so forth and think, oh, they, they hardly work at all. They just sit around waiting for songs to land. Right. Or you can think of it as they cram a lifetime of work, their life, their equivalent amount of heavy lifting, and they just jam it into these super draining and intense periods where they're, where they're just like cramming everything they know and feel into these tiny little packets and hoping nobody shits on them. But that, that, that's the thing. I think when you, when you go out on tour or you have a a life in media for very long and someone comes to you and is like, okay, okay. First question, (laughs) where did you get the band name? And you're like, really kid? Like, this is the 900th time I've been asked this and it wasn't an interesting question the first time. Where did the band name come from? It really does feel more like people are trying to think of things to ask rather than that that's coming from any, any place inside them. Hmm. Where did we get the band name? You really care? No, you're just like, I need to ask some questions of this musician. So what was the inspiration for the song? You know, and, and the, the interviews that I have that I like are ones where the interviewer challenges me about something small. You know, this song seems to indicate that you don't think that monogamous love is the highest form of truth. Hmm. Can you defend your position? And I'm like, wow, first of all, you're complimenting me by having listened so closely and now you have an opinion and it's, and it's confrontational, but you're not being rude. You're not like, I hate you. You're saying, I listened to this and it affected me and I want some answers. I mean, that's like great stuff. But it's just too general to say like, what's your songwriting process? It's not a, it's just a question that feels like, um, I would be more interested in talking to you about what I just had for lunch. And that's why you find people that have done a lot of interviews get kind of, petulant or you know you get the you see these interviews that are transcribed where some hollywood celebrity is just being a dick monosyllabic and it's because they're just like really again with the what was my inspiration because you know the songwriter is no different from you there aren't that many things to ask one another it's why i it's why when people say like, how did you do all that traveling without speaking another language? I'm like, what is there to say? We spend so much time just jabbering at each other and really all there is to say to one another, it's a kind of constrained, uh, uh, it's a, it's a, a pretty limited set of stuff we actually have to say to one another, unless you're sitting like pillow talking with someone you really love. And, but all that, like, Oh, I'm, I'm expressing my fears or my ambitions or my dreams or my perceptions. A lot of that is noise unless you're really sharing it with, with the people that are like genuinely interested. And it's, what's great about a podcast, right? You can listen to it or not. But if you're, if you roll up into a bar in Slovakia and sit next to somebody on a bar stool, what do you got to say to each other? I mean, pretty much you can do it with sign language. I mean, I'm talking not American sign language. I'm talking about like, yeah, no, I understand 
just gibberish sign language. Right. Make me, you know, two, two little fingers walking across the bar and the other guy laughs. Ha ha ha. You know, I mean, you're already there. You're already talking. So what intri- what intrigues me about an AMA, because if you got Beyonce on an AMA and there's all these people that are like, I, you know, I finally get the chance. Like 90% of the questions are like, what, 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 you know, what inspired you to become a dancer? It's like, what? And the questions that, that are, that would be like, what was it like when you found out that your husband was cheating on you? She's not going to answer. It's not a real AMA. She's not, she's not actually saying, ask me anything. And if she did answer that question, it would sound like anybody who found out that their husband was cheating on them. It's not, it's not specific to Beyonce. Her reaction isn't going to be like, like astonishingly different than just what happened when your friend found out her husband was cheating on her. So I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just kind of said some contradictory things maybe that both, I think the, I think it can be very interesting and revelatory, but also it's not, um, it's not automatic that the questions will be that, that there's any relationship between, um, whether the question is prying or innovative and whether or not the answer is good or useful. Are you looking forward to doing it? I love it. I, I love the idea just because I love, I don't know what it is that I love so much about, about interacting because I'm, because I want to do as little face to face interacting with people as I can get away with. But, but like texting and, and once upon a time tweeting, but emailing, I really like the medium of like fast writing, I guess. Fast writing is a back and forth. And I don't, and I'm, and unlike you, I don't practice that millennium style of like send 15 texts right in a row. 15 forward texts. You just don't send any at all. So mad. I'm so mad when you do that to me. <laughs> I hey, John. I've tried send. not to do it What's as much. I was thinking send. No, it's you're exaggerating now. <laughs> not much. A little. But to sit, you know, to to sit and exchange paragraphs with someone. That's kind of an, what what people would say that's that's something an, an old would do. But I really think it's a great the, the complaint about it is that there's no facial expression. You can't, you can't quite judge tone. And I do, I, I, I find that's true, right? Confrontations can escalate because you can't tell when someone is, is kind of smirking. And so you, it, it, it lends itself to feeling like everybody is super earnest and things can, Things can turn into fights that that aren't fights, but so much information can be exchanged in um, in quick paragraphs mm-hmm. back and forth, where there's a record where you can go back and read it again, um, and where the you know where the conversation basically has a transcript 
baked into it. It's already a transcript of itself. And it's a, it's a modern age thing. Like I think probably a lot of people listening to the show never had a time in their life where that wasn't an option, but, but up until the mid two thousands, you know, I got email in 1999 and I got a phone that could text or I learned to text like T9 style in about 2002. And I mean, in 2002, I was 34. So up until that point, I had never texted anyone, nor had I written an email until right before then. So if you wanted to write something to somebody, you sat down with a pad and you wrote it and put it in an envelope. Right. Or you sat at your computer, wrote it, printed it out, folded it up and put it into an envelope. Or you scrawled it on a piece of paper and slipped it under the bedroom door, but you didn't have this option of like, hey, I don't know where you are right now, but here's the thought I had, send and then wait briefly and then get a reply. And I mean, that's just like, I think if you grew up doing that, your brain uh, calibrated to it. But for me, it still feels like, a, I mean, obviously it's not a novelty. I do it constantly, but, but, but it's not how my brain formed. So it still feels like a gift, I guess. Like I can just sit here and just send you all my thoughts and then I get your thoughts about my thoughts immediately back. We would like to say thank you very much to Casper. Isn't that cool? Casper, this is a very, very cool thing. And they have a very cool President's Day offer coming up. They have three mattress lines to choose from. There's the original Casper, there's the Innovative Wave, and there's the Streamlined Essential. Because Casper, they're not just a mattress company. Okay, They've got bed frames now. They've got pillows now. They do sheets. They even have dog beds. Dog beds that you can get. And this is the place to go for the President's Day mattress savings. You always hear about these big sales going on on President's Day. Well, guess what? They sell directly to you. So they're, all the cuts, they're going to be even more affordable. They're going to even be better. And of course, you get the 100 nights risk-free sleep on a trial with returns that are hassle-free if for whatever reason you're not completely satisfied after 100 nights. We've got one of these and I love it. You unbox it, it inflates itself. And all of a sudden, like you've got a bed that came in a box, but it's a real bed. It's a full bed. It's amazing. So if you go to Casper. This is for a limited time. I'm supposed to say for a limited time. Casper.com slash savings. And you can receive up to $200 off a purchase of $2,000 or more. This is a special offer that expires February 20th, 2018. Okay, so go to Casper.com slash terms to learn about that. But Casper.com slash savings is where you can go to get that uh, potentially $200 deal. So go check it out. Casper.com slash savings. Thanks to Casper for making this show possible. I, and I hope, I mean, I, I, I think by, if I have a problem, it is that I often don't, I'm intense. And I think 
You mean in, in conversation? Or in over text or where, where are you intent? In conversation. I, I, I posted something on Twitter a couple of days ago where I said, you know, that rhetorical device or that rhetorical habit that people have of at the end of, of some speech, they say, does that make sense? That rhetorical. Right little twist at the end. Does that make sense? And I put a tweet out there saying like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I think that it is, um, I think it's bad. It's a bad policy. Um, and I got kind of what I expected, which was a lot of replies saying, well, I'm just not sure about, I'm not confident that I'm, that I'm expressing myself well, or, you know, I want to, I want to be sure that I'm understood and all this, all the kind of things that, that are suggested in it. Right. Is that, does that make sense? <laughs> yes. But, but what, but what I find is that the rhetorical device actually employed is a way of, it's a form of like, rhetorical bullying in a way because at the end of a, I mean, if you, if you're saying here's how you make a roux and you describe the whole process of making a sauce and then you say, does that make sense to someone? It's like, okay, I get, I got all the steps, but in a lot of cases people say it at the end of expressing their, uh, take on things or their opinion or their argument. And if you put that at the end of something like that, what you're getting the other person to do is agree with your take, because if it makes sense, then they're, they're buying if, in. They're saying, I agree with true. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it makes sense, then it's true. And so a person says, well, you know, I don't feel like I owe you that money because uh, when you loaned it to me, you told me that you didn't need it back. And so I don't feel like I owe it to you. Does that make sense? <laughs> and if you say, yeah, it makes sense. You've already agreed that they're, that they don't owe you the money. And it isn't a question of whether or not it makes sense. It's a question of, and I, so I find myself saying that to people sometimes like, they're like, does that make sense? And I'm like, it's not a question of does it make sense? It's a question of do I agree? And the answer is I don't. And then they're like, well, you're being argumentative. And it's like, I'm not. Uh, like asking me whether or not it makes sense, it may seem to you to be and, – and, and, and it's employed in that way. Like I was just trying to – I was just making sure that you understood or that I was expressing myself clearly. And it's like, no, you weren't. You were trying to get me to accept your – premise, um, and doing it in a bass, in a bass awkward way, right? Like a, <laughs> like a, like you were sneaking it in there. Does that make sense? And it feels really, it just, it, 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 it irks me. It's condescending and it's, um, and I don't think that there are that many people who are that unsure about whether or not they actually are making sense. I don't think so. I think it's a, you know, I think it's backhanded. But that's the kind of argument that I will make that if you're doing it over text with someone, it escalates. It's too intense. Mm, I see. A form of 
communication because people are like, yeah, well, you know, I just, I, you told me that I didn't owe you that money. So I figured that I didn't, does that make sense? And instead of saying, well, I think you owe me the money. I go into, I think that the deployment of does that make sense is a, a very aggressive negotiating tactic send. And it's like, Whoa, you know, all of a sudden this conversation, because I'm, I'm not very good at brushing aside static. And it's why I have, that's why I've backed away from Twitter. It's why I have to be very careful about online because little things like that, little bits of static, I don't zoom out from, I zoom in on. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want to like get at the process and I don't like people uh, employing sneaky tactics. And that isn't always the way to get the closest. That's not the way to get to the truth faster. You know, the way to get to the truth faster is to ignore the fact that they said, does that make sense? Ignore all of the chatter and just get back to the question, which is, do you owe me that money or not? And, um, and the 30 reasons you just listed to, um, to explain why you don't think you do. The only one I have to address is the central one. Like I don't need to sit and say, and go down your list of like, well, I don't owe you the money because I don't think I should owe anybody money because money isn't real. Like you, I don't have to address that. I can just get back to the like, I, lo- I loaned you the money and I, I don't remember saying that you didn't owe it to me and that would be kind of crazy for me to do. So anyway, why don't you send it over? Okay, great. Nice talking to you. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm bad at that. And people that are good at it, people that are super graceful, that don't get that don't get bent out of shape by other people trying to manipulate them, but just sort of like, like ninja it away (laughs) where they just, they, they respond as though you didn't say, or they respond as though the, the person did not say the five sketchy things and they just reply as though the other person is talking to them normally. And I, I admire it. I admire it so much. And, um, and it's the one disadvantage, I think, of, of loving the text universe as much as I do. Well, you've explained before that you are somewhat introverted. And the texting, I think, would allow you to still communicate with people without having to, like you're saying, that there's the intensity side of it. There's an inability to zoom out part of it. But it also, I think, would work as kind of a barrier against having to do too much if, you know, having to interact too much or, or crossing over that threshold that you might have when you're craving the, the alone time or whatever it is that, that you're wanting, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, the, other, the other evening I was having a, a, a conversation with someone via text and it became obvious, like, like I don't want this to go sideways. And in the past, this conversation has gone sideways via text and I can feel it potentially going sideways. Um, just in the initial, you know, the opening salvo. And I actually like completely unusually said, we need to talk on the phone. 
and it was, you know, and the other person was like, really? And I was like, yeah, we need to, we need to get on the phone about this. And, and it worked. It worked great. It, it, it belonged on, on the phone. And I was loath to admit that, that it did. Um, I didn't want, you know, I never want to get on the phone. I don't want to hop on a call. A guy sent me an email the other day offering me a show and he was like, yeah, you know, like we want you to play this show. We should hop on a call. I was like, I don't need to hop on a call. I'll play the show. The only question is how much money? And he wrote back and he was like, here is a like sort of insultingly small amount of money. What do you say? Want to hop on a call? And I was like, if we hopped on a call, if you, if you had offered me that money on a call, I would have laughed out loud. And so that would have been a weird call. Maybe we would have gotten to the end of it, but, um, but maybe not. As it is now, I can reply in a very calm voice to you over email and say, oh, thanks so much for the offer. But this, was a, this other instance was an example of like I got on a phone call with this person talking about something that, that was important to me. And, uh, and we – uh, and the tone of voice mattered a lot. And the, the, um, whatever clarity was, was missing because I wasn't able to sit and very specifically like say in words confidently what I was thinking. Uh, it wasn't clarity that it wasn't that kind of clarity that was needed. It was like the kind of clarity of voice, voice tone and the, right. the, the, um, the intimacy of, of, of voice and I, you know, I had to like kind of, I, I, I put a little, I planted a little flag in my mind to remember to not double down on situations where, um, texting or emailing is starting to create bad feeling because you can tell, you can tell when it's happening. And I think normally when it happens, I'm like, I am not saying a single thing that I don't stand by. So if you're having a problem, then you need to fucking read what I'm writing. And it, it, and it, and that isn't like, that isn't the take, you know, not, it's not always the take. We would like to thank away away makes probably the coolest luggage in the world. That's my opinion. And I have been, traveling with their luggage for a while now. And what I love about it is that it is luggage with power. What am I talking about? They have built into these things a little battery. So you can plug in your iPhone or your your tablet, anything that plugs into USB to charge, and you can charge your devices with it, and it's built in. You're never going to be one of those people who's like running through the airport looking for a power outlet, sitting on the floor, leaning up against a pillar at 9 p.m. at night, just so you can like check your email or look at Twitter or text your family members to let them know you're all right. Like that, those days are gone. Built-in battery. It's the best thing in the world. Telling you. But it's more than that. The suitcases are all made with polycarbonate premium polycarbonate, which is super strong and impact resistant and basically weightless. You won't even know your If you pick this thing up when it's empty, it feels like you're not even holding anything. The interior, they have the patent-pending compression system, which is great for people like me who probably overpack. They've got four 360-degree spinner wheels, so it's smooth. It's got a built-in TSA-approved combo lock, 
so you don't have to worry about your own lock. And it even has a removable, washable laundry bag to help you keep the dirty clothes separate from the clean. You know I care about that. And they've got lots of different carry-on sizes. They've got different luggage sizes. They've got something that is right for everybody. But those those two carry-on sizes are the ones with the chargers in them. And, uh, and that's what I recommend. It comes with a lifetime warranty, a 100-day trial, so that you can actually go and travel with this thing. It's not 100 days to sit in your closet. It's 100 days for you to actually use it, take it on your trip, try it out, and see if you like it. And if it's not, no questions asked, full refund. They got free shipping within the lower 48 states. And all the carry-on sizes are compliant with all major U.S. airlines. And they, they figured it all out. I love traveling with this. I think you will too. For $20 off a suitcase, go to awaytravel, awaytravel.com slash roadwork and use the promo code roadwork when you're checking out and you'll get 20 bucks off a suitcase. Awaytravel.com slash roadwork. Thanks very much to Away for making this show possible. There are upsides, and I think you're identifying some of the upsides of texting, but it seems like the social media aspect of it is kind of the opposite of that. I like your term of like, you, you can't zoom out almost in that because it becomes very easy, you know, and, and thinking about like the AMA stuff, you're basically opening yourself up to communicating with anyone and everyone. Right. And it's my opinion, it's my philosophy that human beings aren't really built for that. We're not really meant for that. Like there should be some kind of barrier between yourself and random stranger people. That modern society has completely destroyed all of that. And it's not that I think it's bad to get to know people who are not like you. The, the opposite of that is true because I think one of the, the greatest things that we have is the ability to, to learn about people and cultures who are very different from us. I've learned so much in my lifetime from being challenged by people who think about something in a completely different way than I do. Uh, so, I'm not saying that, but I feel like the idea of just, you know, there was something I always thought was pretty cool and the fact that like you couldn't just go and talk to, uh, you know, some famous Hollywood person or some famous musician or whoever. And the idea that now we get to see those people's, you know, messy kitchens and bad hair, that takes away some of the mystique, some of the... You know, we don't have royalty here in America, so instead we have Hollywood, right? It takes away some of that mystique and it makes people seem like regular people. Like, yo, look, he uses the same hair gel that I use, right? Or whatever. And people really seem to like that. They like that now, just because somebody was in, and I'll, I'll pick on the Hollywood side of it, just because somebody was in some blockbuster multi-hundred million dollar movie, now I feel like I can still relate to that person because... You know, they have the same sneakers that I do and they tweeted about waiting at a stoplight and I waited stoplights too and it sucks. We're like the same part. Me and Chris Pratt are the same because neither of us like sitting at a stoplight. Like I've connected with him now. And the flip side of that is, you know, he can't even, I'm, I'm not saying this is true for him, using him as an example, he can't even use Twitter anymore except it as a one-way communication method 
Go check out my new trailer for this film. He can't actually converse with anybody because there's hundreds of thousands or millions of people who are interact, wanting, wanting to interact with him, wanting a piece of him. And you and I are at the point where we still, we don't have that many followers. We can interact with people who want to interact with us for whatever reason, but there's nice people. There's people who encourage you. There's people who love you. And there's also people who hate you or who want to say something stupid or who don't really realize that the way that they're typing it comes across like they're a total dick, you know, and they don't, they don't know that. And you can't tell them that because then you become a dick and now there's a Twitter war. I don't know. I just, I feel like anything good about trying to communicate with people over social media has been destroyed and is, it's gone. You know, it becomes only effective really as a, as a kind of a one way. Basically, Twitter has become, here's this cool thing I made. You should look at it. And then other people saying, I looked at it and it was great. Well, I looked at it and it sucked. Here's this thing I made that's better than what you did. And that's Twitter now. Yeah, Twitter is shit. Let's just let's just come right out and say it. It's shit. Uh, and I think social media is too. I mean, it's not like Facebook isn't shit. I still like Instagram, but... Instagram's still pretty good, except now, I don't know about you, I see an ad now yeah, constantly. It could go to shit at any time. But, but the question of like whether, like what that, what that intimacy, uh, what, what like penetrating that, that intimacy membrane did for us. I, I, I think about it a lot because you're right. When I was young, the idea that I would, that I would write a letter and put a stamp on it and and go down and drop it off at the post office to Harrison Ford. Right. Or um, the idea was, that if you did, that he'd actually read it. That he'd read it and reply. Um, it's like crazy. I never would have considered it. And I know people did. A big stars got um, fan mail all the time. Got fan mail all the time. Um, but that was not the type of person that I, I was. And, uh, and the idea of like, uh, 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 I mean, what motivates people to be fans in that way? I, I have no, I have no idea, no earthly idea. Uh, I did write one fan letter, and I was in my twenties, and you know, I was an avid reader of the newspaper, and from the time I was very, very young, an avid reader of the comics page. Yeah. And I had very strong feelings about the comics, about the way the comics page was ordered and about what was, uh, what, what the choices of the comic comics editor meant in terms of what that, what their comics page was communicating. And I wrote a couple of letters to the editor about the way they were conducting their comics page. Um, and I would write letters to the editor for sure. But I wrote a letter to uh, Lynn Johnston, the comic artist who wrote the strip for better or for worse. Sure, yes. Which is a you know a comic about a family with a, a son and a daughter, and a mom and a dad and a dog, and they're Canadians. 
And uh, for better or for worse is one of those uh, long, long running episodic comics where the kids actually grow up in the, in the strip. Most comic strips like Peanuts or, or uh, Calvin and Hobbes or whatever, the, the, uh, the characters stay at the same age. But I feel like for better or for worse was one of the first comic strips that, um, that we watched the kids grow up. And the problem with it was that at a certain point, the kids in for better or for worse grew up and were teens and then were out of their teens and, Lynn Johnson Johnston had to, and I think I'm remembering this correctly, but she, she came out and said, well, I'm going to start over or we're going to start the strip over. And, and I don't remember whether it was, we're, we're going to just start recycling the strip from the beginning or whether she said, I'm going to start these characters over and go through their lives again. I don't know. I don't, uh, that would be something i should probably research, but, but in the nineties, early nineties, her kids, the two kids in for better or for worse were in their teens and the, their ages were very similar to me and my sister. I'm, I'm, I thought of myself as Michael, the boy and Susan was, um, whatever the daughter's name in the, in the strip is. And I wrote Lynn a letter and I said, I really love your strip. I've, I've, uh, read it since its inception first in the Anchorage daily news and now in the Seattle post intelligencer. And I want to compliment you on the way that you've brought up these kids in your strip. And I feel like they are now on the cusp of having adult problems and I just, as a reader, want to encourage you to pursue adult problems in, in, you know, to pursue these, these characters in their late teens having, you know, real struggles, including with sex and drugs and everything. And I did it because I wrote this, I wrote this letter to her. I was probably 23 and I was conscious of being starved for real talk Mm. in the world because no one had ever talked to me really candidly about sex and drugs when I was a teenager. Um, it was a time when abstinence from drugs and abstinence from sex were being pushed as solutions with no thought that if you don't teach a 16 year old about it, then what that produces is a 20 year old that doesn't know anything about (laughs) sex or drugs, (laughs) right? which is not what you want. You know, you don't want to protect your teens at the expense of having a bunch of lame brained brand new adults. But also I wasn't some kid that was going to go into my, my favorite teacher's office and close the door and say, tell me how to be a good lover or, or whatever. I mean, that would have been, I, I never would have uh, ventured that 
with an adult and no adult, at least in our culture, would ever feel comfortable sitting a 15 year old down and saying, all right, look, there's a few things you should know about being a good lover. It's important to be a good lover. And here's what you need to know (laughs) to start with. So where does that conversation happen? Uh, what ends up happening is teens talk to each other about it and they don't know a, t- a t- one teen cannot teach another teen how to be a good lover uh, unless you're one of the very, very lucky few who meet your true love your first day of high school. And you guys are, you know, life pair. You're not going to sit around with your friends and take hints from them that will teach you to be a good lover. Anyway. So I was saying to her, like you've done a tremendous job. I have read your strip as a kid feeling like I was more or less um, that these characters were growing up with me and uh, I was an astute child reader and now I want to, I want you to keep telling me things. And she wrote me back and said, thank you for your thoughtful letter. Here is a drawing of the characters of for better or for worse. Love Lynn Johnston. And so she like, did not, not the response you were hoping for. Well, I, what I was hoping for was that she would do what I asked in her strip. And it was almost immediately after that, that she was like, we're going to start over with the kids being kids again. <laughs> and that's, that made sense. And I continue to think it's a good, it's a good strip. Um, uh, and I, you know, the strip that's running today in, the spring of or early spring of 2018. I don't know whether that strip was originally drawn in 1985 or, or whether she's still out there churning it out. Like, I, I don't know. That's a question for the f- super fans. But when I could, when I first. No, but, but before you go to that, a pause oh, there. Yeah. Do, do you think that she actually even read your letter at all or do you think it maybe was an assistant that wrote it for her no i think she i think she read it but but she recognized i can't get into this with this person Mm -hmm. i sent an i sent an email to another comic artist uh one time where he actually replied um and got into a little bit of a back and forth with me early days, uh, of being able to do this thing where, uh, that we're discussing, which is like, Oh, well I've got this, um, I've got this guy's Twitter account. I'm going to send him an email. It was the, it was the, uh, the comic strip pearls before swine, <laughs> which was a comic that I, uh, that I liked, but I had some problems with, and I wrote him and said, look, I love your strip and I love your comedic voice, but like, I just want to point out that this, that, and the other. And he wrote back and did, he didn't want to get into it beyond saying, well, those are some of the most popular things about my strip and everybody that writes me says that that's what they love the most. And I wrote him back and I said, yeah, but people are idiots. Between you and me, I know from your style that you're smart enough to know what you're doing. And, um, take a second look at this. And he was like, well, look, I don't need to listen to some dummy like you who doesn't get what sells. And I said, 
sir, you are correct. <laughs> I am, I am doing a thing which I have no business doing, which is second guessing your thing, which is your job. And it does sell. And I'm not even mad. I was just, I just wanted to like throw my two cents in there. And I, I'm going to very humbly take my two cents back and peace out. And then months, months, months later, he wrote me and said, so I, he was, it wasn't like he wasn't throwing down or anything. He was just like, how you like me now or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm glad we're friends. We would like to say thank you to blue apron. It is a leading meal kit delivery service in the U S and you know, many people know what they do. They don't know all about the meals that you eat when you're cooking with blue apron. They got strip steaks with potatoes. They got spicy maple collard greens, which is a steakhouse inspired dish that has like chili infused maple syrup going on in there that you make yourself. We just had one of these meals the other night and it's great. Like it feels like you got, to be honest, like takeout from a restaurant, your favorite restaurant, your own kitchen. Isn't that cool? They can run with that. They can have that. They deliver fresh pre-portioned ingredients, step-by-step recipes right to your door. These things can be cooked in under, they want me to say 45 minutes. I've found 30 minutes or less, but it depends. Maybe I go a little faster than you. 45 minutes. We'll go, go with what they say. But it doesn't matter because you're going to get these great meals. And you know what? Cook with your family. Cook with your friends. Cook with your kids. Your kids are like mine. They don't want to eat anything. Invite them to cook it. They'll eat it. Oh, I don't want to try that. Okay, okay, fine. The next time he's come on in here. Hey, honey, help stir the thing, sweetie. Can you do the thing? Then they're going to eat it. I'm telling you. It's parenting. Parenting tips from Blue Apron. 12 new recipes every week. You can pick two, three, or four recipes based on what fits your schedule, how often you want to have the meal at home. And they send only non-GMO ingredients and meat with no added hormones. The best stuff, it's all in the, in the box, and it's great. And, uh, and so that's it. I mean, you got to check this stuff out. I told you about some of their uh, recipes coming up. They also got spicy uh, chicken and stir-fried vegetables with jasmine rice. We, ha- rice. we had that one. It was great. They got soy glazed Korean rice cakes with broccoli and soft boiled eggs. I'm, t- you know, and then they got strip steak potato and, and potatoes. Like all all the bases are covered here. I'm serious. I'm not joking. Go check it out. Special deal for Roadwork listeners: thirty dollars off your first order if you visit blueapron.com/roadwork. So you'll be doing two things if you go there. One, you support the show; they know you're listening. Two, you get thirty dollars off. I don't see how you can beat this. Why not cook at home? Stop like eating uh, junk food. Eat real food. Blue Apron, that's, you know what? They can run with that too. Blueapron.com slash roadwork. Save 30 bucks off your first order. Blue Apron, it is a better way to cook. But I think there's something, I mean, I never wanted to know, I never wanted to know what was happening in Eddie Van Halen's house. The idea that uh, my imagination was much better than what I, what probably was true and I preferred my imagination. I preferred to think that those guys were all living in just like a giant circus tent uh, than think that he and Valerie Bertinelli were like trying to figure out how to program their microwave. Yeah, I, I never wanted to learn that either. I don't want to know that. It's not that I want to imagine that all celebrities or famous people or whatever are perfect or living idyllic lives or whatever. I just... I just don't really necessarily need to know at all. Like knowing that 
you know, that they have a wake up with bad hair too. Like that doesn't endear me to them in any way. And if anything, it kind of bursts the bubble of the, 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 the myth around them or the mystique around them. I, I want to maybe in a way I kind of want to imagine that they're really happy and that they love riding around in limos and you know, everything that they get to do because we, we want to glamorize something, you know, we want to imagine that, that things are kind of awesome. And then when you find out that they're actually kind of not, or that they're kind of the same, like everything's the same, except they have a better house than I have. Like that's kind of boring. Well, yeah. And I think that's true of, of a celebrity. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, well, I don't care what Chris Pratt is doing. And, and also I don't think that Chris Pratt would ever really show it. But in my own case, I do feel like showing my house and showing my, um, my like lol fails, mm-hmm. uh, is part of what I'm here to do. You know, like I, I, I am conscious always of, of what my purpose is and I'm trying to fulfill a purpose. And I used to think that it was that I was, that I was going to build something like so many, so many people do, they build a thing and you're not really aware of it. It isn't, they're not building themselves. They're building a body of work or they're building, I mean, even an actor, you see their face, but what they're really doing is pretending to be other people. It's very different from what has become like this, at least third or fourth stage of what, what I perceive my purpose to be, which is to just be there, be, be present and honest and, um, identifiable. And so showing people around, my own life, like inside my head and also inside my apartment. I think that it does have a utility. I think that demystification is important because I want the, I want the things that I'm sharing to be useful to people and they aren't useful if it's just, if it just becomes like hero squad. Mm. If you, if you, if you listen to me talk on the show about like everything that all the different ways that I, feel like that I'm shouldered with a burden or that I, that I have, that I struggle and you, and your takeaway is well, but it ends up being easy for him because you know, the, this whole, like I struggle business on the show is like a character, but in the end he's fine because he's, um, got a podcast and and he and he made a couple of records, and so he doesn't have human problems. Um, then, then what I'm doing, what I'm sharing, isn't useful if it if it gets converted into hero feeling. It has to it has to stay in the world of yeah, I'm doing this. I'm living a weird life by comparison to whoever, whatever your parents chose. But um, but if you're sitting around suffering from colossal depression, look, I right. That's different. That's very, I think that's completely different though. Well, except that if, if you looked at my, if I posted a picture of my house and it was really neat and tidy and, uh, 
um, carefully arranged mm-hmm. and tasteful. Knolling. Uh, even, even you know, Anthony, you see a lot of houses where there isn't enough shit in the entire house to knoll one thing satisfyingly. <laughs> right? You couldn't. Yeah. I mean, the only thing you could possibly knoll is the is the silverware in the silverware drawer. Right. Because everything else is just like, and there are a lot of ways that that people show their mental struggle in their in the way they have their outside world mm-hmm. and. Hyper cleanliness is one of those ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my my house and the kind of like like just grenade like grenade of uh, grenade of brocade went off. Um, in every room, in every corner, it's it's a it's a very clear way of seeing how how I'm manifesting my inner. Uh, like rocky road by by being unable to walk past any like hand painted uh you know like c- c- paint by numbers picture of two sheep in a field without buying it and now I have forty of them and what and I don't even like them what am I what 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 am I doing like that I I hope is useful to people I think it's funny. It helps me to make it into something funny. I don't mind being mocked about stuff like that. And hopefully there's someone else out there that's like, oh, fuck, you know, this thing that was tormenting me is something that's shared by at least, at least this other person. I don't know. I, it's, um, it's less about Twitter anymore than it is about, there there there's got to be a a genre of contemporary not performance even but just participator like i i guess that's what i feel like a participator there are these formats that allow you to participate and i feel like i'm a participator but i'm not in i'm not i'm not dramatically in character i'm right. a little in character right but mostly I'm just participating as self. And what is that? It's not the same as, um, I mean, even the guys on my brother, my brother and me or Hank green or these other people that you think of as being themselves, they're doing a much more hyper stylized version of themselves Mm -hmm. because they're trying to, they're trying to be funny or interesting. And, we're so content with doing this show in ways where where it's just not funny or interesting <laughs> except except that it is participation we're we're participating and trying to just be uh present and available but what is but that's not a that's not a show. That's not a style. Right. How do you call that? How do you call that show business? Um, or media even. I mean, the, the ugliest of all words is the only one that fits, which is content. <laughs> I mean, all it, that's the only, that's the only modern word to describe what it is, which is just like, these are the contents of 
whatever bin it is, uh, that's our milieu. I'm, I'm always astonished that people find it useful, except that is my intention. So I guess it's not astonishing. And I, I, I posted a picture of myself in the bathtub a couple of days ago. Yeah, on I saw Instagram. that one. And I'd sent that, the, the, the woman that works for the company that gave me that microphone, and I used that microphone when I would travel, and that was the microphone I used when I podcasted from bed and from the bath. She wrote me and she was like, hey, you know, the people from, the, from up, the, up the chain here at my company are pressuring me to give them some promotional material. Uh, <laughs> and you sent, you sent that photo? And I was like, oh, well, you know, she's going to love these pictures of me podcasting in bed and in the bathtub. And I sent them to her and she was like, do you honestly think that I can send them this like porn? And I said, well, listen, I mean, the fact that you consider it porn is a true compliment. <laughs> I was going to say that's flatter. That's ultimate flattery. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, you're, uh, <laughs> you're in a very small minority of people that would think of this as porn, but I mean, I'm podcasting from the bath with their microphone. That's cool. I think. And she was like, can you just take a picture of yourself right now just sitting at a table like a normal person with your microphone? And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, if that's what you want. I thought you wanted something cool. But then I thought about it. I was like, well, I'm going to put that on the internet and see if uh, see if that is, is the well, – like, t- test the waters. And there was a lot of like um, – uh, EGAD kind of reactions like to TMI and it's not, I'm not showing any, I mean all the, all you see are my shoulders. It's not like I'm showing any skin really, but the intimacy of a picture, the intimacy of it somehow, the way it was, the way those shots were framed or something, the fact that I'm in a bathtub taking a selfie, whatever, whatever it was, it, it was enough to get a lot of, a lot of comedy reactions, but then a few that were just like, <gasps> and it, and it did remind me that there are, that there are boundaries people want. Not, not necessarily, um, boundaries where I'm protecting myself from mm-hmm. somebody, right? but boundaries that people want there to be some some worlds that are obviously like worlds that are left to the imagination. Nobody wants to see a calendar of me in a speedo for every month of the year or very few people. <laughs> Even people that find me attractive probably don't want to have me hanging on the wall in a speedo. They find me attractive and prefer that to be like encased in wool. <laughs> But, you, you know, you, there is a – I am maintaining a, a facsimile of myself concurrent with being my actual self. You know, Will Wheaton pe- posts a picture of himself every morning drinking from a coffee cup with his hair all fucked up. And it's his version of like, I'm a normal person. I have like messy hair in the morning. Although you really get the sense that he spends 14 
to 19 minutes getting his hair to be as fucked up as it is in the mm-hmm. morning. It, could, it couldn't be that consistently um, fucked up in the same way. But it's a it's his gentle way of saying, hi, everybody, normal person here. And I guess that's, um, boy, how do you put that into, how do you like lock that Lego brick into whatever this castle of 2018 is? Because Mariah Carey, I don't think spends very much time trying to convince the broad public that she is, you know, at the supermarket with her hair in curlers. I mean, all she has to do to convey that is post a picture of herself in jeans. Everybody's like, she's just a regular person. Right. But a lot of us are always trying to remind people like just a regular person over here, just a, just a normal Joe. Please don't tweet me how much you hate my band. But see, I don't want to know, excuse me. I don't want to know that celebrities, for example, are regular people. I want them to be magical. Because if they're not magical, then that means that they're either lucky or better than me. And either of those things, it's stupid. I see what you mean. If there's some super rich person who's got a beautiful house and anything that they will, caviar spoon fed to them for breakfast or whatever rich people do. uh, I want, they they better damn well be magical. Otherwise, I'm going to start getting jealous. Right. I get that. I get that. Um, and I think that might be why people love the schadenfreude of those real housewife shows where people who have a lot of money are revealed to be awful. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because. And because I do love you, that show for that reason. Good about, right. About like, well, I'm not. Like, rich, look how miserable those people are. Yeah. Um, I see that. I see that, but but again, like what what category are you and I in? Certainly not that category. Um, and I guess I'm, you know, I'm awful enough. I'm trying to explain why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All this access I try to give is just like I know I know I seem awful, but look, I really look how many candlesticks I have. Like I have I have a lot of suffering here. 